Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Know what your customers want most and what your company does best. Focus on where those two meet. And that's a quote by Kevin Schertz. And I want to welcome you again to The Profitable Photographer. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Chip Dizzard. Before I do that, if you've listened to the last couple episodes, you know that I'm starting my group coaching program, The Profitable Photographer Sales Academy in July 2022. If you're listening to this later, I probably have a group running as well. So don't think, oh, I missed out. To learn more, you can just message me on Facebook or you can go to lucydumascoaching.com and send me a message there and we can set up a quick chat. So that is my shameless plug. <laughs> All right. So I met Chip Dizzard at the WPPI conference in Las Vegas this year, which I don't know about you, Chip, but it was so great to just be around a bunch of people. <laughs> it really was. It really yeah. was. It was awesome. I was there last year when we were masked up. We still were masked up a little bit, but it, it was it was really good. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you that Chip's program was my favorite of the ones that I went to. His energy, his personality. I told him I was in love with him, but... <laughs> But he didn't, uh, uh, what is it, slide into my DMs on that. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I'm here. So yes. you know, I'm here. So that means I did. So we have well. our rendezvous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It took me a, lo- a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he said that the tender age of 10, he received a piece of technology that would change the trajectory of his life. And that was Christmas Eve around 1978. And he fell in love with the magic of technology through his Atari 2600. And he would open his mind to exploring things and creating memories that last a lifetime. And he's been able to work with schools, churches, and businesses to grow their influence locally and globally. He's skilled in web development, video photography, education, public speaking, and his passion now is teaching others. Did I get that right? You did. You did. Thank you. Thank you. But I would like to see if you could summarize that just a little bit. Like, what are you up to these days? Well, um, well, these days people see me as a photographer, speaker, educator, and uh, always be a teacher because I'm a former teacher Mm -hmm. in Baltimore City. And I taught photography and videography. But uh, mentoring is what I do and speaking all over. That's what my real passion is right now. So, Chip, I've been in this business 40 years. And about eight years ago, I realized it was time to go from giving advice all the time, anywhere, whether somebody wanted it or not, <laughs> to formally becoming a coach and and such for photographers. So yes, it's interesting to have that photography passion. But then I think if it hadn't been for photography, I probably would have ended up being a teacher first as well. So I totally 
relate to that. So other than getting that Atari, tell me a little about your background and how you got to this point. Well, I got into weddings really through working in the church. So I was a media person and media ministry person in a church, a local church in the Baltimore area. And then a friend of mine asked me to do a wedding back in 20, 2010. I was like, I don't know how to shoot a wedding. It was video, though. And I, we just had some like security cameras. I had some f- friends who were photographers, and we didn't know what to charge. We just said, okay, we'll do it for you. You're a friend of mine. And we just shot it like it was a church service, you know? And then some people saw it on YouTube, and then they said, oh, you could do mine. And so I don't know what I'm doing. So, And I did a couple more. Nothing. I didn't have a business out of it because I didn't really know what I was doing. Then years later, I got some training, some formal training, and I was always dabbled in photography and videography. And even in my college years, I had some experience in it, but I just never really thought I could do it as a profession. So the more people asked me, the more I did it. And then I just started doing a lot more weddings. You started with people who I knew, and then it grew out from there. So I had a good base. I had a good base. Yeah. And I love how it just was something that unfolded for you in your natural environment. One of my favorite quotes that I wrote down when I was a young woman about how to find what to do in your life is watch what your hand falls to naturally and keep doing more of that. Mm, That's excellent. So what I hear is that it was natural for you and then people kept saying, hey, do this for me. And you followed that instead of resisting. Yeah. 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 It took me a little while, but I I actually did it and I enjoyed it. And uh, it was just a good, good thing because I had a natural client base. And then I just kind of went out from there. Mm -hmm. But like everything else, you outgrow your client base and then the prices get higher and you have to move to a next level. And, you know, so I figured that I figured that out quickly as well. It was a good start. Yes. My dad was a pastor. And so my first few weddings were referrals from church and such. So, and outgrowing them quickly was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> for all of us. I hear yes, for, yeah. for all it's of hard, us. Yeah. It's hard to, do you know, that in the Bible, a prophet has no something in his hometown. No, no honor, no honor, no honor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know very well. Yeah. Trust me. I know yeah. very well. Yeah. I do have a podcast episode where I talk a little about the friends and family and how to get past them as quickly as you can, because yeah. then you're working with people where they see you as a professional, right? Correct. Correct. So they see you as a hobby first and then they, they want to support. So they'll give you like an offering or a stipend. And then, but once you, once you say you're a professional and the rates come up, yeah, yeah it's a different thing. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I don't know if it's been studied, but I think any kind of social group, whether it be, it doesn't be a church, it could be a nonprofit organization. It could be some kind of sorority or club that you're a part of when you're part of some kind of organization, and an insider in the organization, people don't sometimes seem to take you as seriously as they bring an outsider in. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that. It's, I know. It's, it's, it's weird. So how do you navigate that? Or do you have some tips for people who are at that stage for dealing with the friends and family? Yeah, that's a good question. I say you do it until you cannot do it any longer. And what I say by that is make it work for you because you will not get 
the pricing that you really want out of friends and family. Uh, but you can get the portfolio. So it's like the chicken and the egg. What comes first? You know, you can't have a website without pictures or without text, without a portfolio. So you have to get that first. So I say navigate it as much as you can and limit yourself. And then if they say they don't have budget, I will always say, well, hey, let's negotiate. What can you do for me? For instance, what I did for the church when they couldn't pay me to to do the photography, I negotiated back in the day, this early days, a Macintosh computer. So I said, you know what? You can't pay me. I need you all to buy me a Macintosh computer that I have at my home. Not a laptop. I need a desktop. They were able to do that. So I had a year contract and I said, I'll do the editing and the photos for a year and some video, but you all have to buy me a desktop that I can use. And that's clean and clear on me. And I mm. get to keep that. Right. So that doesn't work for everybody, but they had thought, think about it back then iMac desktop or it was maybe $2,200. I don't know, maybe more. I, I can't remember, but it's still, it's less than what they would have paid me for a whole year. Right. Yes. But it benefited me. But you got the experience. You got to be of service. Correct. And such. And I got the equipment that I couldn't afford at the time. I didn't have $2,500. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have it. So, and I got a brand and it was a top of the line. It wasn't like a used one. It was a nice computer back Uh then. It was like circa 2012, Ah. 2012. Yeah. So what I'm hearing too is that you, you do have boundaries with it. I didn't hear any guilt in that. Like, you should do things for free or cheap for friends. Is that correct? Or did you also yeah. fall into that for a while? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. But I, like you said, I had the guardrails and boundaries up. So what I would tell somebody, only take like a certain number. I, okay, this month I have three at this rate. Or I have three free clients at this rate. And the first three people get that because I'm building my portfolio. Three free family shoots. And after that, the price goes to whatever. And then after that, the price goes. So that way you will get the people. And sometimes uh, you will get even more referrals and upsells after that. So I I learned that because I was in sales and marketing for a while for some other companies on my full-time job. So Mm -hmm. some of the things we have to do, we just have to get in the front door, right? Right. And we have to get in with somebody. And sometimes the relationship, especially with people that are friends and family or somebody that you know in an organization and they can help you get the gigs, other things. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, what I've, that's what I've learned. Yes. What I also learned the hard way, of course, when I was new, I had a couple of things. One of the reasons I've stayed in business for 40 years is that when I have experiences that are not ideal, then I learn from it. And what I learned with, with friends and family is to be really, really clear about expectations. Nothing sloppy, even tighter expectations than it might be with a client. And I lost a good friend because I did her wedding and I hadn't had everything spelled out about what she got. And, you know, it just made for some awkward moments. So, and then if that wasn't in alignment with her, then I wouldn't have done her wedding, but to assume like to be as excellently professional as you can be with friends and family so that you can keep those friends and family. Yep, you have to. It's hard to, but it's something that we have to do, especially when you're starting out. Even even when you're you're you've been doing it like you, yeah, I've been doing forty years. I've been doing about twenty half of that time. But I understand that there's a way to maneuver because 
what happens a lot of times, um, and I know we're going down this rabbit hole, but what happens, Lucy, is that I, I call it three circles, right? Uh, and when I teach this, I, I'll tell you this. So think about three circles and you draw them one inside the other. You have something called the crowd, okay, and the, the three C's, and that's the outermost circle. Then the second circle you draw is the crowd is just everybody that just hypes you up. They say, hey, you're great, Lucy. You're yes. great, Chip. You're doing yeah. a great job. They're, yeah, yeah, rah, 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 rah. They don't really do too much for your bottom line. No. Then you have the committed. The committed are people that pay you. They may pay you good rates and they'll, they'll do, you know, they can go other ways. Sometimes they go to other vendors and they do okay, but they're not just cheering. They actually do business with you. And then the third circle that you have is called the core. Those are your people. So you have the crowd, you have the committed, and then you have the core. So those three concentric circles that I really teach you on, those three people, you need all of those three groups because without the core, you know, the core people will refer you when nobody else will refer you. They say, you know what? You got to use Lucy. You, you just have to use her. I don't care where you go. She's your person, mm-hmm. you know? And you have people now that you can think in your head that you've done business with that you could call them and not talk to them for two years and they will still refer you. Right. The crowd, the crowd will be like, it's kind of flaky, you know? They'll come and go and, you know. We, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the committed the committed people are good. They're, they're not consistent. But the core mm-hmm. people, those core people will introduce you to the committed and change some of the crowd to the committed, mm. you know? But that core group of people, it's not a lot of them. It's about 10. Like, if I think about my, your best customers, so people listen to, think of those best customers that give you referrals. I'm not talking about social media referrals. I'm talking about actual business. And that's how I grew my business, just like in that model. I mean, I just right. gave you a primer how I grew my business. <laughs> yeah, I started my business doing weddings. And if I think back on where leads came from, the most were from the core of people that just loved working with me and the core of vendors because I was always, I didn't realize I was like the queen of networking. That's a great thing. (laughs) I just like to refer people so that when I showed up at a wedding day, I knew the caterer, the cake baker, the DJ, everybody would be in alignment to make my job easier. But then I cultivated a core of people that referred me powerfully and I did the same even if I wasn't doing the wedding I would say do you have a cake yet oh my gosh you have to talk to seal at flower power they're always on time they're beautiful mint blah 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 yeah so I I love that how do you know this stuff was this through research or something you realized through experience just through experience I can't say I make all this stuff up but I think it's to experience and just like anything, an example. So I think experience is a good teacher, but learning by example, having mentors and having people in my life to tell me right and wrong. And sometimes just, you know, like I said, messing up and, and seeing who's for you and who's not. So, right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I often see people posting on Facebook that they're heartbroken because somebody used another photographer and what I realize now is it's because they were on level two, the, the committed people, but not loyal. So yeah. that really went. Yeah. And, and that we can't be heartbroken about it because. Not everybody's for us, right? Not everybody's right. for us. And we want them to be. Yeah. We want them to be, but it's just, it's not. 
yeah. is not going to happen. So right. that goes into when we were in Vegas, when I was talking about our ideal client, those yes. core people, those committed people, those, those people that, that really, you know, because I used to teach, I still teach on social media marketing and that stuff, but to a point that social media can turn into a glorified popularity contest. Yeah. It just really can. It can. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying your skills can't be on tap, but sometimes a person who, and I've been there, I've been on both sides of the fence where people have hired me because they say, you know what? I just see you all the time. Yeah, they like my work, but they just see me, you know? Yeah. And then there's some people who feel like, oh my God, I haven't posted today. I'm not going to get any business and blah, 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 you know? So it's yeah. it's a very, it's a two-edged sword. <laughs> okay, so one edge of the sword. Um, so I'm glad we're diving into the topic of the ideal client. So, and I have my notes from your class, but I'm not going to cheat. I'm just going to ask you. <laughs> oh, go ahead, please go go for it. How do you find ideal clients, or how do you define them, or on your market set go <laughs> of what you want to share about yeah. the topic? Yeah. So, I mean, like anything else, we all ask that question right early on because we risk times when we find where we find that people who are not for us, you know, we wasted time and money and industry and, and, and energy. So for me, an ideal client sees your website, sees your work, says, I can see you as a bride or groom or customer. So they put themselves, you say, wow, I like exactly what Lucy does. I like what she has to offer. I can envision myself without saying that out loud, but I can envision myself. Um, for instance, I, I went and I, I was looking for a couch and I saw a couch that I wanted in my new place. And I envisioned that couch right in my living room. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But all the other couches I saw, I was like, ah, they could do well. But I envisioned that couch right there. So if I can envision you as my client, it just, the pricing is, is, is always an issue, but it doesn't become as much as an issue, you know, because I'm in a lot, we, we have our same values. I know that you like what I like. Oh, we went to the same university or we have kids that went to the same university or something in common. Or we grew up in this side of town. There's something that connects us. Mm-hmm. And then it's usually the work. But then after that, once I get to know you, uh, here's a quick story. I was doing a um, a wedding planner recently, about a, six, seven months ago, referred a bride to me. She, um, I'm my target market, just so everybody knows, I'm, I'm I'm 50 years old, so just turned 50. So my target market are older brides, 40 plus, usually second weddings. That's just where I am, okay? So uh, usually second marriages, that's what I mean, second marriages, brides or grooms, or just, you know, I do same-sex couples as well. So just, just whomever. So what happens is that the lady just looked at my Instagram and she knows I didn't have a lot of wedding pictures on there at the time. I still don't. I very, because I've been doing more reels and doing other stuff, experimenting. So she wasn't going to hire me because she didn't see stuff on the Instagram that, you know, and she's in my target market. And usually people in their forties, 40 plus don't just go off Instagram. Usually, usually. (laughs) I'm just telling you, that's the 30s, 25 millennials, you know. So anyway, the wedding planner insisted Lucy for her to call me. So she called me. She said, Chip, you know, I gotta be honest, I'm just calling you because 
the wedding planner, good friend, insisted that I call you. I said, you know what? Go to my website, look at my work. And she pulled over, she was driving. She said, oh my God, I'm so glad I called you. And mm. she, we started having a good conversation. We started vibing, we started doing some other stuff. And then before I know it, we didn't have that much in common, but just the fact she wasn't even in my local city. Her, she was in um, a city maybe 150 miles from me in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I live in the Washington, D.C. area, it's drivable. But the fact that she's having the wedding is in 2023. And we just had a good conversation. And there's sometimes that in life that we think that just our Instagram, our Facebook, our TikTok, or whatever you have can get people, which it can. But sometimes you just have to pick up the phone and talk to people. Yeah. And my goodness, once you talk to people, you never know that they may be your ideal client because she was, and there are probably people who have written me off by social media. And I've probably written people off by looking at social media and not going deeper. So think about all the people that you wrote off because you don't have time to talk to everybody. That's just, that's just a facts. Mm-hmm. But if you have an advocate, like I had a wedding planner who was really my ideal client and she went on my behalf and really pushed her. And then I just did the rest. So like the old saying says, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? right. So she brought the person to the water. Yeah. <laughs> I just held up the water to have her drink it. And she yeah. paid me that same day, the deposit, the contract and everything. We have a, a client. So Chip, I want to put a little meat on the bones of identifying our ideal clients. I know that uh, that is something that you have kind of some step-by-step ideas about how to do that. So could we talk about that? Yeah. So here are the steps. First thing I always say, and I, I talked to you uh, the, the seminar about this, is you do a few things. You think of your worst client experience and eliminate it. Okay. okay. And it sounds crazy. We think of your worst client experience and everybody has one. He said, okay, right there off the bat, that is not my ideal client. Okay. We get that. The second thing you want to think of is your best client experience and expand it. So okay. we'll eliminate the worst, expand on the best, okay? All right? And then what we want to do, we want to ex- describe our ideal client externally. So where does he or she shop? Where does he or she spend their free time? Do they volunteer? Do they do they have causes that they're, they're good for? I'm not saying that you have to know every little thing, like, you know, their, their religious beliefs or anything like that, but you need to know, describe them, um, and think about those people that are really, those core people that go hard for you. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing, we're going to describe our ideal client internally. What are their values? Um, do they value family time? Do they value, you know, are they on the run, right? Are they, you know, traveling? Do they, you know, where do they like to go? There are people that, know I love traveling, right? So I know there are people that travel cruisers or do they like to take, you know, trips, different places, islands and, you know, and, and see what, where you can fit your services, your products and see where you fit in. And sometimes you may not have a lot in common with the people other than just the work, but just the fact that you know where these people are. Like, I didn't expect to do second marriages. I didn't, you know, I do second marriages and a lot of interracial couples. I never expected to do that. But those are the people that booked me. Over mm-hmm. 40, second marriages and interracial couples. You, you understand what I mean? Right. So those are the ideal clients because I understand that 
They love Nordstrom, but they shop at Nordstrom Rack as well. The bride I did yesterday had Nordstrom Rack shoes. And I laughed when I saw the price tag on the bottom of her shoe. It said Nordstrom Rack. I said, boom, ideal client. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So I have two questions on that. And that's that's a great list. Some of my notes from your class about the worst client was, I don't know if these were your notes or my notes, energy draining. So maybe I was talking about coaching clients. Maybe this is this is my list. Doesn't follow through. Uh, sees the world as half empty, doesn't finish yes. things, and then positive, excited, committed, easy to work with, tells friends, able to find the money somewhere, and brings out the best in me. Those were my were my yeah. notes. So thank you for just that question, because that looks like my list for me. Yes, it is. So what if you haven't had enough clients to think about your worst and your best? What do you do? Mm. Mm. If you haven't had enough clients for your worst or your best, well, that's where that crowd comes in, wherever you are. That's when I built my business. So you have to grow them to see. I mean, you know, those free clients, those low-cost clients to get them. I'm not saying everybody has to start at the bottom, but Mm -hmm. you have to get them somewhere. And if like for me and you, it could be a church or it could be an organization or a fraternity or sorority or nonprofit, some kind of organization somewhere where you know people that may need your service. It could be even a community board. I know people who've gotten clients from a neighborhood association, a soccer league. You you understand what I'm saying? So I think those are great places to start to get clients. But you have to build it somewhere because you yeah. have to have a data set. Right. <laughs> you can't, you know, you, you can't you can't make any assumptions without a data set. Right. So one of the things I do with my coaching clients is we make that ideal client list. And a lot of my coaching clients are just starting and don't even know the people that actually are going to be the best clients. My ideal clients they live about a half hour north of me on the coast. They're not people I would normally run into, but they're family oriented. They have certain income. They donate to charities. They serve on committees, you know, that external. Yeah. I think sometimes with the help of somebody thinking through it, we can figure out at least where they might be. Like if I was going to, I don't know if I was going to sell something to fishermen, I'd do some research from somebody who sells products high end to fishermen so I could understand the market. So, you know, I think there's places, I don't know, would you agree with that? There's ways we can do some research and then we can figure out, okay, where are those people hanging out? How can I uh, like be in those circles? Right. Yeah. I can't be in those circles. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or the conferences or or conferences. Let, let's even take, let's even take if you're doing coaching, right? For you, your ideal client may be at the WPPI. Oh, they are. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're committed to education. Correct. They're socially oriented. They're not, um, let's do this all myself. They're wanting uh, camaraderie, community, companionship, and to be around people that are farther along than they are. So, yeah. And my ideal photography clients have always been people who 
in the, not the wedding industry, but the portrait industry, people who attend and serve on committees of charities, especially if it's around, used to be around children, like children's hospitals. And as I've gotten older, Chip, I'm a little bit older than I used to be. I discovered my ideal clients were young grandmothers or like first time grandmothers. And I started doing Uh charity events for like ovarian cancer and other things that attract the, you know, grandma in the late fifties to early seventies where, you know, they still have the little ones and, and they either wish they had had nice portraits when their kids were growing up or they did. And they want to make sure the grandbabies that they have pictures for themselves and their family. Lucy, that, that's such a great ideal target market because I mean, it, people don't think about that kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's so true. Here, here, let me give you another ideal market. My kids, my twins, my daughters, uh, the teenagers now, but they have uh, Asperger's, it's a form of autism. And there's a Facebook group that are for parents, especially autistic girls and boys, of course, but really of girls. And the photographer that we hired to take our family portrait, she specializes in, in taking portraits of autistic children. I never even knew there was a photographer that can do that. Because the way my kids, even though I'm a photographer, it's hard to take photographs of my daughters, even when they're younger. Now the teenagers are a little bit better, but they're just not as sociable and they're different challenges. So when I found that photographer, I was a target customer, mm-hmm. you know, because it was that um, special needs. It could be any special needs that you have or mm-hmm. anything. So think of those niches and things like that. Yeah. And that can really help you out, especially if you have experience with it. So for me, you know? Right. And what I love about what you're saying is if you notice something like you noticed that photographing biracial couples was something that just happened and that the second weddings, but what I think I remember is now you promote that, that if if you Google biracial couples interracial interracial couples dc area like you're at the top with like flashing lights <laughs> right yeah. Uh, yeah because you've realized there's something that can be a niche that you enjoy that can bump you up in terms of being found now in the asperger's uh, realm is that something you're also that's a niche for you or it? Was- no, no, it's not a niche for me. That's not, you know, one thing you have to know what you're passionate about. Right. So it's it's kind of three things. What can you what are you passionate about? What are you good at? And then what drives your economic engine? It's from a, a book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. So mm-hmm. I know I'm pretty good at photography, but I love autistic children, but I don't know if I can do that as a, as, as a passion project for photography. It's just not in me because I dealt with that a lot with my kids, but to other people it can be just fine. So I know uh, the passion that I get. So for interracial couples, the the issue that I had was my issue, but the issue that came to me. So, well, you photograph people with different races. Well, with lighting, I was like, well, you know, I'm African-American and I'm used to photographing different skin tones from light brown to mm-hmm. dark brown. So it's just 
as an interracial couple really wasn't that hard for me to like. It was just like normal because it, to me it was normal, but to other people, they were looking and searching that out because right. they had bad experiences with other photographers. So yeah. think about those experiences that you've had. It could be autistic kids. It could be an interracial, it could be, you know, a cultural. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a wedding with a bride that was from Nigeria and she was very dark, dark brown. And then a groom that was from, you know, Ireland, you know, and very, mm-hmm. you know, light, light white. So those are two different. And it was a dark wedding with <laughs> yeah. dark now I like. So it, it proved to be challenging, but I made it happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that um, those kind of things that people don't think about it because, frankly, I'm not in those situations, but I got put in those situations and I thrived in them. So right. think about situations you thrive in and that you're passionate about. Right. And I'm passionate about people. Yeah. Yeah. Those things can just give us the edge and tip us over to that. Yes. For a client. Part of why I specialize in kids, especially when I was younger, uh, it was all about baby, baby, babies and little kids. And it's just like my nature. I, I understand kids. I taught to get my master's with PPA the program that I taught, I don't know, 20, 30 times around the the state and the country was ABCs of photographing kids that I had developed some knowledge that most people don't have about the stages of childhood and how we can photograph them and what we can't do. Like for a nine-month-old, there's all kinds of things you can do that a 14-month-old I would never plan to do. And they're you know, they're just a few months apart. So that little edge, I know a lot of people booked me to do their kids because a I love children and I have this natural, almost like get on their wavelength, you know, empath with kids. So I love that to figure out some of those things that may not even, I don't know about you, but like there's so many things that other people see about us that we don't realize are unique. It's just, we think everyone else is like that. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe other people can help us. Like I have my coaching clients, we do some branding exercises and I have them ask on Facebook, describe what you appreciate about me in three words. And it's kind of scary for people, but they begin to learn about themselves and how they have impact in the world. And I can see how that wow. could then go into what you're talking about, which is then understanding the ideal client that's going to be attracted to somebody with those qualities. Those qualities. Yeah. yeah. It really works. Yeah. It really works hand in hand. And I think that the more that we understand that, I know it's a buzzword, but the more that we understand ourselves, right. We understand what we want we we put that energy out there, what we will attract. And it sounds very, uh, I hate to sound, you know, so, you know, Kumbaya, Oprah. I love you that. You know, the energy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But but it, to some people, it sounds that way. But, I know. but it's, it's, a, it's a real thing that what, what you put out is what you can get. And right. I really believe that. Yeah. And if you've been doing this for more than five years, you have some track record, or heck, even two years. Yeah. In the photography business, any creative business, you have some clients, you have some great ones, and then you have some ones that say, "Oh my God, 
Yeah. Over. The good thing about photography is that it's usually, if you do weddings or portraits, it's usually a one-time thing. It's not that you have a repeat situation. So it can be a one-time thing, but then you can always just learn from it. That's what right. I love. I love learning. Yeah. yeah. What I love about being self-employed, especially in the arts, is as we grow in our business, we grow as people. And if we have some challenges, like for a lot of people setting boundaries and saying no is an issue. Well, so when you learn how to say that in business, because I personally can't afford to say yes to everybody, then it's easier to do that in our personal life as well. Or, you know, people feel insecure or like a, an imposter. And so it all, I love what you just said, because it all goes hand in hand. And, you know, being introspective, what I hear you saying, helps us with being successful. It really does. I mean, we we have to look at within. And I think that people, we look at ourselves and then we say, okay, not only would I like, because of course, now many of us, you know, I'm not saying that we love what we do, but we have to at least enjoy it and, and drive us in the morning or whenever we get up has to drive us. Because especially in the arts, there's so many people that don't love what they do, but then we have to make an honest living from it too. Right. So we have to live. So we can't be that starving artist like a lot of us can be. So a lot of people I, I know, like, you know, do this as a hobby. I'm fortunate to do it full time since 2015. Mm-hmm. And I never if you would have told me that I've been full time this long, I'd be like, yeah, right. But mm-hmm. it's just it's like a train. It's going to pick up steam. If you keep at it, you keep at it. The referral, the ideal clients will come. You do good work. You do right by people. And you can you can do it. I mean, heck, you can do anything you put your mind to it. Let's right. just be real about it. Like, yeah, you can really do it. <laughs> yeah. Another topic I know you love to share about is diversity and inclusion in the wedding industry. I know this is a that was a rapid segue. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Um, but one of the programs at WPPI was a panel, and I don't remember what the actual topic was. But they started sharing about some of the the challenges with diversity within the industry. And um, I know I'm kind of like, how do I jump into that? But no, no, I, I, could, I, I wasn't on that panel, Lucy. But I think the thing for me is and I've done presentations and this was back in 2020 um, with a tragic a murdering of uh, George Floyd in Minneapolis. So a lot of people I have a presentation called Beyond the Black Square. A lot of people put a black square on their Instagram or their Facebook and things like that. So and people didn't know what to do because it was just, we, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that our clients are buying differently now, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just buying our services. They're buying how our services will make them feel. And if you're not socially conscious, I'm not saying that this is a marketing tactic because this is not. This is more of a lifestyle. Um, As it was taping, there was a tragic uh, uh, murder in Buffalo. Um, It was um, supposedly racially motivated. So we live in a society where this is out in the open. Right. And I think that our industry sometimes doesn't want to really talk about it because it's it doesn't apply to us because they say, well, I'm not racist. I'm not that. I'm not that. Okay. You may not be, but you still have to understand where people from different backgrounds come from and what we face. And I'm not saying that that we need a free pass for anything. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying in the industry, there's a lady that came to me. I'll never forget. I was in San Francisco doing a presentation, speaking in a panel. And I was probably one of the three 
people of color on the on the panel on the in in the conference, and um, we were all there. And it was just funny. We all knew each other too. <laughs> the three photographers, but it's fun. Well, don't you all know each but, other, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's not true. That's that's not like every person of color I know. <laughs> I know you know big that. air quotes around that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know that's that's funny, too, right? That's like you know. So anyway, we were there, but we did actually know each other. But the funny thing about it is that we were me and a young lady. She's she's white, and she shared a cab with me, uh, Uber. I mean, and she said, Chip. I know that some things that I get are because of who I am and my race, and I don't have to work as hard for them. And that shocked me when she said this. This was prior COVID, prior George Floyd. This is like in February of 2020. I'll never forget mm-hmm. that. She's a good friend of mine. She lives here in Maryland, too. Mm-hmm. Good, good friend of mine. And, you know, I said, you know what? You're probably right, because you think about it, because people know you, there's some things that it's just easier. Like you said to me prior to the taping that you probably have had people on your show just in your circle, not because you didn't want to have people of color. It's just that you're not in those circles and it's okay. Right. But you went outside your circle. You heard me speak. You probably looked at the topic when you went to WPPI. You didn't know who I was, but then you said, let me look at the topic. This guy sounds like he may be all right. And then you experience who I was. And then you did that. So that's the thing. You just have to go out of that comfort zone, out of that circle that, you know, the popular guy who always comes on is good. But then there's some people we call surprise and delight speakers. And that's what I aim to be because I don't have a big name. I don't have a big name because when you came in my, my thing, we talk about diversity. You didn't know me at all. Did you Lucy? You didn't know what to expect. No, right. You didn't know. But now you say, hey, I know Chip. This guy was pretty solid. You need to check him out. I don't care if he's yellow, red, blue, green. It doesn't matter. His color mm-hmm. doesn't matter because his information is good. Right. And that's where I want in the wedding industry to come. It does. Yeah, you see me as an African-American, a black man, of course. I can't get around that. But my information, my information is going to change your situation. And if I can do that, and once you implement that information, and that's where I want the, uh, the diversity and inclusion to say, hey, listen, yes, give people a chance. I'm not just saying to give us a chance to fill that quota. I don't want that. I want to <laughs> fill it because I'm good. Right. Not because you have to get two out of 10 you right. know, or three out of 10. Right. So so that's what we want in the industry about that. So I, I, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm grateful for people like you who followed up with me, you know, because there's a lot of people who say things loosely and don't follow up. So I'm very grateful to you and to your audience uh, for that. So I just want to just publicly say that to you. You're welcome. So I love what you just shared. One of the things I noticed with the PPA, where it was online 2021. Yes. um, And so I was going through the list of people to see who I might invite to speak. And I noticed that there were almost 30 to 50% of the people that spoke at that were people of color. And so I was talking to, I'm not sure if it was David Guest, he's he's been on the show. And I said, I noticed that. And he said, we made a decision to consciously seek out great speakers with diversity so we could expand on that. And just, it's like, like adding, you know, you've got some kind of soup and then you start adding different ingredients that you might normally not have in there. 
And then all of a sudden it's the norm. And I noticed what I think too is awareness and starting to notice things makes a big difference. Yeah. So at WPPI, and I don't know if I just never noticed, but this year I noticed the attendees were, there was all kinds of different people of all kinds of races and backgrounds and so forth, more than usual. Yes. I've been going for, it's my third time speaking, and I've been going for four or five years. So I've been going like 20 years or anything like that. So I'm not a vet. And then I was a, I was a judge. So I was a judge at the, the print competition, one of three or four people mm-hmm. coming on a judge competition. It was fine. They committed to it. And I think PPA as well. And I think that it's more of a, it's intentionality of it. So yes. I'm very excited about that, but I think that it's going to continue. And I think that, that we should have that because you need different opinions and to hear that and to see what people are going through and to, to, to do that again and again and again. So yeah. I think it's going to, to continue. I think that as our country moves uh, we're going to move in a more diverse and it doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It's just different opinions and different things that we see in our industry and right. best practices. Right. It was fine. So that's why I understand that I did have people who knew me. Of course, you always, like I said, you have your home team. I got my people yeah. who know me. Yeah. But then I have people like you who are like may like the topic, may like the thing. And like, if we don't know the speaker, we're going to go towards the topic. And I think that for me, and speaking, because I've been doing this last four or five years, is really getting my topic honed in and to making sure to not be entertaining, but to be educational as well. If I'm entertaining, that's good. You remember me. Yeah. But uh, to be to be to be educational and, and informing. And for you, that's a huge compliment. Say is one of the better because there's some excellent speakers at WPPI. If you if you've never been, it's a really great conference, but you can't go to everybody's. So the ones that you pick are the ones, especially you sitting in the classroom for 90 minutes, you want to pick somebody that's pretty good because right. people start leaving out of your class. And I think I remember Lucy, you were on the front row, if I'm not mistaken. You're on the front row. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, you're on the front row. Yeah. So and I didn't the leave. people on the front row are the people I know that are there for the information, and I got to give them everything that they have come for. Right, and um, I have no qualms about leaving. You know, being in this industry for forty years, I've sat in thousands of conferences. So correct, and your information wasn't like I've never heard about ideal clients before, but it was so clear and concise and. And you were so fun. So the one, you know, I'm talking about our industry and I mentioned the challenges early on of being a a woman. It was like a hundred men and three women. When you first came. Oh, oh, I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure. For 15 years, it was, it was leaned that way. And the speakers, hardly any women spoke what frustrates me now is the judges with PPA are still 95% men. Yeah, that's and I change. would like PPA to be more intentional and cultivate and intentionally put panels together, seek out women and people of color so that yeah. every panel has diversity intentionally. And 
maybe that's my new mission. <laughs> but it, yeah, you know, yeah. forty years yeah. later in this industry to still have uh, panel after panel be five men or four men and one woman. Anyway, so yeah. thank you. You know, it's such yeah. a tricky topic in a way, but the more we talk about it, the less tricky. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's the thing. It can be tricky, but I think with the, the dialogue that happens and the just the openness, and we have to know that we're going to make mistakes on both ends, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we want to give people grace. You're going to say something that's going to be like, ah, but as long as we give people grace to make those mistakes and not cancel this cancel culture, and if they really show up and show that, you know, actions are louder than words, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and that's what I'm all about. I mean, we're going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. People will make mistakes. People say, Chip, what do I say in this? Or how do I get more clients of color? How do I do this? No, just be yourself. Just be open. Come on a shoot. Just, you know, partner with someone. Mm-hmm. Ask around because guess what? There's somebody that is connected to someone. You're six degrees of separation everywhere. Exactly. Lucy, I know somebody that, that probably you want to get to know. I can suggest two more people of color to be on a podcast. I can suggest right. two more women to be on a podcast. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like that. Because yeah. I know people and you would trust my opinion because they'll be vetted. And I'll say, this is the person you needed to talk to. Right. Right. This is the person you needed to deal I, with. I went to a conference, a three day conference. I thought it was going to be about being a better coach, but there were many speakers that talked about the intentionality when you're creating panels or you're inviting people to be part of your program. And there was somebody that, which I remembered his name, but he got called on the carpet because he put on a conference and there were 30 people and they were all white and mostly men. And at first, his response was, well, that's who answered my survey or something. And what he learned True. was still making that what he does now is he is intentional and reaches out more strongly to quieter voices that are not as easy to find. And I love that. It takes work and, and yeah. it takes work. But at least he admitted it because it's easy to say, well, that's who, uh, da, da, da. and I know it's more work. But all you have to do is really find one person to ask, and then you will get the right person who's a connector. Right. And people ask me all the time. Yeah. And people find who they want to find. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. You find who you want to find. If you if, if you go on social media, you go to conferences, just look who's speaking at big conferences, small conferences. Look at the roster. Everybody has pictures up. Everybody has reviews up right. and everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. So it starts with the want, starts with the intention. Yeah, it's a, it starts with intention. it's a little work. Yeah. So I have one other thought that I'm hoping you can offer in support of people of color. One of the challenges, I think, as a person of color in the photography industry, it's just getting noticed. And when I say getting noticed by like a mainstream publication like a brides.com or, you know, or or um, Styly Pretty or any of these bigger blogs. But one of the things that a lot of people of color can get noticed with, especially where, with celebrity weddings, but a lot of us don't have a lot of celebrity weddings. Let's say it's an athlete, say if it's, you know, a basketball player, athlete, something like that. But a lot of us don't shoot that. So one of the things that I know is just really submitting and doing 
good work. You never beg to be on these publications because you're good by yourself, but really doing good work and being intentional and submitting and keep on submitting. Um, that's what I've done and keep on even. And if they say, hey, it's not our aesthetic. OK, well, what is your aesthetic? Ask those questions and then hold them to it. Not to just post you just because, but post because it's excellent. That's the thing that I suggest. And um, it's been challenging, but it's also been paying off because people don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people that in, in my area, in the Washington, D.C. area that have met me in um in Colorado or in, uh, you know, Arizona or wherever I've been. So I think that that as long as that that we continue and people continue to submit work, continue to push the envelope and put things out there, there will be no no excuses. Well, we don't get the submissions. Well, we don't do this, you know, and uh, we don't do what we need to do. We mean, we don't we don't get these jobs because of the color of our skin. Correct. And so you're saying just keep at it. Keep being professional. Yes. So if you show up at a wedding and you notice that, um, so on the panel discussion, some of the panelists talked about reactions of guests at first discovering who the photographer is or not thinking this is the photographer. So what I, think I hear you saying is just do good work. Just be who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to do, we have to do the good work, right? Yeah. So it's three things I always say you have good work. You have good contacts and those people who know you, of course you have your good branding and marketing, but the contacts are the key. A lot of people don't have the contacts and that's where we fall short. They do great work. They have good logos. They have good websites, but it's people don't know we are. So that's where it is. It's asking, it's putting, being out there, asking for help, going to these conferences. And that's what I encourage people to do, to go out, even if it's a virtual conference, just put it out there. Even if you don't get chosen. I mean, when I was trying to get into speaking, Lucy, I didn't know anybody. So guess what I did? I went to a person and her name is um, Dr. Tamaya Colvin. She's a good person to know. And she's out of Houston, Texas. And she put a list together of conferences that we should apply to. And there was, this mm. was just an email list that she sent to like 10 or 20 uh, photographers of color. And she said, these are places and the links and made it easy for us to apply. Now, did I get chosen for everyone? Of course I didn't. But guess what? I applied to almost everything she sent because ah. that's what I was going to do. And even yeah. when I got turned down, right. I kept on going for it. Right. And I kept on going. WPPI right. didn't know who I was. They didn't know who I was at PPA. Ah. And now I'm speaking at PPA for the first time next year in, in Nashville. Yes. Awesome. And, uh, imaging, imaging USA. They didn't know. They turned me down three times. But guess what? I didn't give up. Right. Right. Three times. And I'm and okay with that. Thank you for that. And thinking about my experience early days when I was becoming a judge with PPA, I noticed that a lot of of the handful of women that were in my local community they were reticent, like part of the challenge of getting judges that were women is that a lot of my women colleague friends were not doing it. So I think encouraging people to take a stand and 
learn to be a judge and volunteer, like get out in front of people. When I was in charge of print competition, I sought out women to like, I'd never have a panel that didn't have at least two of the five as women, but like be the pioneer is what I'm saying. Be the person that says, I'm going to learn to judge. I'm going to apply to WPPI. I'm going to get visible because that paves the way that makes a track behind us for people to follow us. And, you know, now men complain there's so many women in this industry. (laughs) Well, some of us took the slings and arrows of, you know, I could tell you some stories and you could tell me some stories anyway. Have the courage to be the one that gets in front. No, that's 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 exactly exactly right. So I love yeah. what you just said. Thank I think you. it's it's come full circle, but it's it's a good it's a good circle to have. And I think we we're, we're going to continue on this pathway. Yes, I think it's a great great yes, circle. I to love have. it. Okay, so Chip, we're just about out of time, and that makes me very sad. <laughs> he gave me the best smile there on that. <laughs> it's all <Yeah>. good. <laughs> um, so I have two questions for you. So number one, I know you have something that you'd love to send people. What is that and how can they get it? Yeah, it's an ideal client checklist. So I want to make sure that you get that. Just send an email to me and mention this podcast. It's ideal client checklist, chip at chip, D-I-Z-A-R-D.com. Just email me directly and I'll send you an automatic email reply with it right there it's a pdf that you can fill out great so chip at chipdesire.com and ask for the ideal client checklist correct and i want to thank you by the way for having that conversation about diversity and kind of helping navigate the thinking on all of that i had a feeling it'd be easy to talk to you about it and indeed so thank you for that no, thank you for bringing it up. I love it. Uh, these conversations are needed and I'm I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for it. Great. So my last question is, what would you either like people to take away from this or like your last word? Or is there something that you like, oh, I should have also mentioned that. So this is your opportunity for your last word. Well, my last word is is really a last sentence. So not really last word. And is I want people to listen to this and say this and listen as well. I want you to show up for yourself and choose progress, not perfection. Mm. Okay, I'm going to say that again, Lucy. Show up for yourself and choose progress, not perfection. An important reminder is to give up perfection. I know we're all recovering perfectionists, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. And we're getting caught up in the search of perfection makes us ignore the beautiful progress we've made. And I just want you to know that, that you can do it. Thank you. I need to hear that even today. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Well, yep. Chip, um, this has been a delight. Thank you so, so much. And I'd love to have you on again. Thank you. I enjoyed the, the podcast and, and I will be uh, shortly sharing it with my audience and with people that I know. And I really I've listened to some of other episodes and I'm honored to be on here. So thank you. Finally, uh, finally, our schedule is aligned so we can get on here. So I'm, yeah. I'm so glad. You're welcome. So everyone stay tuned for my wrap up. 
Well, thanks y'all for listening. And um, I still have a crush on him even more now. (laughs) He's just a light and a delight. All right. Let's see if we can summarize some of this. So we talked about ideal clients. That's the topic that he teaches on quite a bit. And one of the things he said is he talked about the three circles. So there's the crowd that's like, yeah, you're great. And then number two, there's the committed people that will hire us, work with us, but they won't necessarily share us with the world and they may use other people another time. And then uh, there's our core and there are the people that support us, come back all the time, refer, et cetera. And so I liked, I liked being able to think about those people, you know, that if somebody doesn't come back, we don't get heartbroken because we know they're not part of our core. And then we talked about, he shared his ideas about how to figure out your ideal client. And he said, number one, you want to think about your worst client and eliminate those from your list. Think about your best client experience and expand on that. Describe them externally. Where do they hang out? Where do they live? What is their income? Where do they travel? Where do they volunteer? And so forth. And then internally, what are their values? What's a personality like? You know, what do they treasure? And so forth. And then we talked about how he has a couple of niches that are like a niche within a niche. So he does weddings, but he does interracial and second weddings a lot. So he specifically markets and promotes through search engines. And, you know, I'm sure there's other places that he positions himself as the expert in those areas. And that is an easy way to draw some people to you. And then we had a really great conversation about inclusion and diversity and what I took from it, listening to him and my own thoughts is about being intentional whenever we're doing anything. And also, if you are someone that is, you know, whatever it might be, you might be a man in a woman's group, be the one that's the pioneer, take the risks get out there in the world, something, you know, thinking just now, don't say, oh, they don't ever hire fill in the blank. So I'm not going to try, like keep showing up. So don't forget about getting in touch with me on lucydumascoaching.com, or you can Facebook message me, friend me at Lucy Dumas and connect and learn more about my group program. And it's all about how to become a master salesperson. That's it for now. Ta-ta. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.